Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I want to thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness. One of my favorite pictures of this showed up in an unusual place on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle. It's not where you would expect to see an example of the fruit of the Spirit, but there it was. It was the story of Linda Wilson Allen. Here's a picture of Linda. She's a bus driver for San Francisco Metro. There she was, right on the front page. The story behind the story is that the reporter who wrote this happened to be on Linda's bus and he saw something different about Linda than he had seen in any bus driver before. His experience on her bus was different than any bus experience that he had encountered. Linda learned his name pretty quickly and would call him by name every time he'd get on the bus. And he discovered that wasn't just true of him, it was true of all the regular riders. And then one day, an older lady was trying to get on the bus but struggling with some groceries and Linda put that bus in park and she got down and she helped the lady find her seat, helped her with the groceries, not typical bus driver behavior. And then there was another time, a lady new to the community got on the bus, Linda found out that she was new, didn't know anybody, the next day was Thanksgiving, and Linda said, why don't you come to my house for Thanksgiving? And there were a lot of examples like this. As I read the article, what struck me, most of the examples aren't especially noteworthy, but I think that's what made them newsworthy, meaning that Linda was just doing every day what anybody can do every day, but nobody really does. This kindness and goodness demonstrated in her life as a bus driver. The reporter wanted to know what was different about Linda, like why was she this way? And it wasn't just a one day thing, like this was just who she was every day. And so he decided he was gonna do a story about her. He wanted a little bit about of what she had in his life. And so he sat down and had a conversation, interviewed her. Here's one of the things he pointed out about Linda, about her day. He wrote in the story that Linda's day began at 2.30 in the morning. Her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes. So before her day begins, officially, she wakes up 30 minutes early, she gets down on her knees to pray, and she just begins this walk with Jesus. She begins a conversation with God that takes her throughout her day, and this really steps into what we've been talking about in this series. Galatians 5 verse 22, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit. It's not out of our own self-determination, it's not out of our own self-improvement, it's not behavior modification that brings these things about in our lives. I mean, yes, that can help, and sure, you can grow in one or two of these things, but when you see all of these things growing in a person's life, it's because the Holy Spirit is at work in them and through them, and Linda's life is just an example of what that looks like on a day in and day out basis. She begins her day in step with the Holy Spirit. Here's what she says about that prayer time. She says, I ask God in the morning at 2.30 a.m. to show me my day. God, show me my day. Put some things in front of me. Put the right people in front of me. And she says, that's where my kindness comes from. When I am out there doing my job ministering, she calls it ministering. She doesn't say when I'm out there doing my job driving. She says when I'm out there doing my job ministering, I start to see things and God shows me things. He'll show me the senior who's having a hard time getting up on that bus. He'll show me the one who's in the back who might have a hard time 
paying all of their fare that day and God will say, maybe they just pay what they can today and I say, okay, God. She begins her day on her knees in step with the Spirit, verse 25 of Galatians 5. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, says in Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, after starting in step with the Spirit, why are you trying to do this on your own? Why are you trying to make this harder than it's meant to be? You you keep focusing on all of these changes you wanna see in your life. Why not put some of that energy to connecting in the Holy Spirit? Why not start your day in the morning with God? Why not take some time to pray? Why not make worship with other believers a priority? Why not see if doing those things actually produces this fruit that you just can't seem to self-manufacture? Keep in step with the Spirit. And so we're in this series called Becoming. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit as we've studied love, joy, peace, patience. And this weekend, we're talking about kindness and goodness. And I put those two together, not as a way to diminish either one of them separately, but because interestingly enough, those words are synonyms for one another in the text. Like the word translated kindness could be translated goodness, and the word translated goodness could be translated kindness. Like they just, they go together. And yet there's some difference to them. Here's the distinction I would make. That kindness has to do with your desire. It has to do with your motive, your intention. It has to do with your heart. Goodness has to do with your intentionality. It has to do not so much with your desire, but your action. Not so much, much to do with your heart, but with your hands. So there's kindness and goodness, and when they come together, it's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Now what I would say is outside of keeping in step with the Spirit, a lot of us are kind and a lot of us are good, but it's pretty tough to bring kindness and goodness together. So let me make this distinction. Kindness without goodness leads to a life of, I put insignificance here, but irrelevance might be a better word. Because what I mean by this is that you could be really well-intentioned, like you might have great desire to do good. You might have deep empathy for people who are hurting, and that's all good. But unless you do good, nothing good happens. Right? Unless, unless that heart thing translates to some hand things, it doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference at all. So it's, it's the person watching TV, and they see this commercial with a malnourished child on the television, and, and their heart is there. Like they, they can feel what they feel. But they don't sponsor a child. Or they, they don't jump in and take part in our uh, basic needs drive that we're doing this weekend. You pick up a blue bag, fill it with things that meet the basic needs of people in our community. Uh, somebody else will do that. Somebody else will step up in those ways. But I feel pretty good about myself because when I see those things, that hits me right here. And so we have this desire to do good, but unless good actually comes from it, then it doesn't, doesn't, make any difference, doesn't make any difference in this world at all. When kindness and goodness come together, there's gonna be sacrifice, there's gonna be selflessness. When kindness and goodness come together, there's something tangible that happens. You can be kind without good and you don't serve or sacrifice or sign up. It's kindness and goodness. And so because of that, one of the most tangible expressions of this kindness and goodness being demonstrated in your life is in the area of stewardship. It's how generous you are with time and money. In fact, it's interesting. These words kindness and goodness, they're synonyms for one another, but there's another word that is synonym for both. A synonym for both. It's the word generous. For the spirit is generosity. And 
kindness and goodness expresses itself through generosity. Like how you spend your time and how you spend your money are evidence of this fruit of the spirit growing in your life. You can have kindness and goodness and you look at your time and you look at your money and it doesn't really make any difference. It's, it comes together in this selfless and sacrificial way. It's one of the reasons I love being a pastor at this church is just being able to see how the fruit of the spirit of kindness and goodness demonstrates itself through sacrificial generosity. And it really only works because the full force of the church as we talk about it, it's believers, brothers and sisters in Christ from every campus coming together, growing in these ways and demonstrating that through generosity. And the world looks at it and think, well, why would you do that? It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense, but this is what the Holy Spirit does in us. Uh, it's been a pretty exciting month around here for a lot of reasons. We had, I was just looking at this, we had more, we had more people coming to church at our campuses in the month of August than we've ever had come to our church in the month of August in the history of our church. We had more baptisms in a four-week period than we've ever had baptisms in a four-week period without a baptism weekend in the history of our church. We're getting ready to, you, yeah, you can celebrate that. We're getting ready to um, start a 14th campus in Nelson County uh, next year. I'm excited about what God's doing. This weekend, like right now, there are 17 worship gatherings taking place at 17 different addiction recovery centers um, around the region, around the area. We had around 9,788 people sign up for groups last month, but here's what was exciting to me about that. 2,046 of those people had never signed up for a group before. We have 437 couples who are receiving marriage counseling at an 80% discount because of the generosity of this church. We're currently working to start three new churches in different parts of the country. We have more than 100 mission partners around the world that we support as a church family. And all of this is fruit of the Spirit. Like all of this is indications of kindness and goodness welling up in our lives because of the Holy Spirit and expressing itself through generosity. And it's beautiful to see. I wanna challenge those of you who are part of this church family at all of our campuses. If you've been coming for a while, if you're a part of our family, but you've not jumped in in this way, like if you've had the desire, but you haven't taken steps, we would love to see you commit yourself to be a part of this church. Commit yourself, sacrifice, selflessness, so you serve when we need help, we serve one another. You give intentional, joyful generosity. It's, it's the power of all of us coming together. I know we don't talk much about um, financial giving around here. We don't pass plates anymore. Maybe we will again someday, but we haven't done that for a while, and I don't do a great job of talking about this, and um, I need to do better with that. I, I talked to dude a few months ago who said, hey, I've, I've been coming to this church for eight months and nobody's ever asked me to give and I don't even know how to give if somebody asked me. And when he said it, like he wasn't saying, it's so nice. Like he was complaining about it. He was like, I, I want to be a part of this, but no one asks me to be a part of it. And even if I want to, I don't even know how to. And, and I love that complaint. Like if you wanna complain to me, that's great. Like you complain about that all you want. Like nobody asked me to give. Like I love that, it's fantastic. But I, I so appreciated his spirit. And so as we're here in, what is this, September, getting ready to head into October, we're growing in all these ways. We have all of these opportunities, but our giving, our generosity is pretty much flat year over year, pretty much the same as it was last year. And, and so I just wanna challenge you, if you're part of this church family, to express this kindness and goodness through intentional 
intentional generosity. I, I just see us in a position where God, at this point in our world, is putting us at an intersection to be a light, to be um, the salt of the earth in some really beautiful ways if we all, if we all come together. You can go to southeastchristian.org to learn more about how to give, or you can text the word give to 733-733. My hunch is if I lined everybody up here who's kind of a part of things, they would, they would have the kindness, meaning that their desire is pure. Like they love Jesus and they, they love people and, and they really do wanna be a part of things. But it's kindness and goodness that comes together that has impact and allows the church and allows your life to be significant, spiritually significant. Goodness without kindness leads to empty niceness. We'll call it that. This empty niceness, one of the greater threats, I think, to Christianity today are Christians who think that God's called them to be nice instead of kind. The fruit of the Spirit is not niceness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And there's a difference, but I do wanna be clear up front. This doesn't mean like you now have permission to be a jerk. Like that's not what that means. Like the fruit of the Spirit is kindness and it's also gentleness and it's self-control and it's peace and it's joy, it's love, it's patience. But there's a difference between niceness and kindness. Niceness can be like this fake piece of fruit that sits in a bowl on the kitchen island, piece of plastic, it looks good from a distance, but it's not the same as kindness. And if people get close to it, they start to recognize it's not real, it's like an imposter. You get a little bit closer to niceness and you realize niceness doesn't care the same way kindness cares. You get a little bit closer to niceness and you realize niceness is more concerned about being polite. Niceness is more concerned about people liking me. Kindness is more concerned about me loving people. And, and sometimes I think as a church or as believers, we have this idea of I can just be nice enough, if I can just be polite enough that everybody's gonna like me and everybody's gonna like Jesus. And that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus was kind, but Jesus was often not nice. I, I know some people try to be nice, and it doesn't quite come out right. I was at the um, DMV last week. And hey, listen, they do a great job at the DMV. That's that a hard job. I, I mean it, like that's a hard, I would not, I would not want to, and, and the lady that was behind the counter that I sat down with trying to get my real ID was patient and she was kind. And she was, I think she was really trying to be nice because when I sat down, she said, she said, you remind me of somebody. And I said, oh yeah, who's that? And she says to me, she said, you remind me of this uh, celebrity I've always had a crush on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? And I'm thinking, Zach Efron, uh, Chris Pratt, I, I, I wasn't sure. Like who, who do I remind you of? And she says to me, do you know who Gordon Ramsay is? <laughs> You mean the celebrity chef who's 10 years older than me, can't control his temper and has wrinkles the size of canyons, like that guy? <laughs> I think she was really trying to be nice. Sometimes we, we want to be nice, we wanna be kind, we're just not really sure. Jesus just found this balance, like he just, um, he knew how to be kind, but he wasn't always nice. I, I know that can be a little bit, um, 
hard to accept. So let me give you a few examples. I came up with about a dozen. I'm gonna give you four or five. Number one, the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I wanna be one of your followers. I wanna be one of your disciples. The nice thing here for Jesus to do would be, okay, yeah. At the very least, the nice thing would be able to let him down gently, but the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. So there's the kindness, like there's the, there's the heart side of that. And he says, go sell everything you have and come follow me. Oh, that's not nice. Like that is not nice at all. But Jesus is kind because he knows it's not going to work. And if he just tells this person what they want to hear in the moment, it's gonna cause all kinds of problems later. He's kind. That doesn't seem very nice. Another example, Matthew 10, verse 14, Jesus instructs his disciples to go and preach. But he says, look, not everybody's gonna like what you have to say. He doesn't say, look, when that happens, try it, come back, try it nice, be nicer. Say it more nicely. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say, go get some nice snacks and come back and offer them some snacks and try, try. He says, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next town. Don't change what you're gonna say because you're trying to be nice to them. You move on. Number three, you brood of vipers from Matthew 23, 33. Jesus resorts to name calling here as he talks to these spiritual leaders, these religious leaders. And it doesn't seem very nice, but I would argue that it's really kind. He's talking to them in a way that nobody talked to them because he cared. He wants to get their attention. He knows how hard their hearts are. He knows how blind their pride has made them. And so Jesus says to them, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? Well, it's not very nice. And number four, churches in Revelation, chapters two and three of Revelation, there's one example after another here where Jesus is encouraging to them, but then he's also very challenging. It's kind, and so he says to the church in Laodicea, you are so lukewarm that it makes me sick to my stomach. I, I feel like I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. Not very nice, but he's kind. He loves this church. One more example, Matthew 18, verse six, Jesus is talking here about anyone that would cause a child, a child to sin, better translated or also translated, anyone who takes advantage of the simple trust of one of these little ones. Anyone who takes advantage of the simple trust of these little ones, verse six, it would be better for you to have a large millstone, millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Well, that's not nice. And it doesn't even seem very kind, unless you're the child. And then it's so kind that he would speak this way out of protection for children, protecting their innocent trust, being real clear about what will happen to you if you take advantage of the simple trust of a child. The fruit of the spirit isn't niceness, it's kindness. Imagine it this way, imagine this week that you um, have some chest pains, dealing with a little bit of um, nausea, shortness of breath. You don't wanna take any chances, so you go to the hospital, they run some tests, you're having a heart attack, the doctor comes in to tell you the news pretty quickly, but the moment he sees you, he's like, this doesn't seem nice at all. Like, you've got a busy day, and this is really gonna inter interfere with your life and your plans, and, and the doctor's like, I'm, I feel like I'm just a nice guy. I feel like I'm too nice to tell this person that they're having a heart attack. And so the doctor says, hey, I'm sorry you're not feeling good, really hate that for you. I like your outfit. 
and, um, and here's a sucker, and he gives you a sucker. And it's, not like the, it's not like the dumb, dumb sucker they give out at the bank. It's like a blow pop, not like sour apple, but like blue raz, like a high quality. And you're like, what a nice guy. Like this doctor is so nice. And then the doctor says, look, you, if you're still hurting tomorrow, you might come back. There'll be another doctor here, but you know, I'll just tell you, he's not as nice as I am. Like, I'll just warn you. And you walk out of there thinking, he's so nice, but your chest hurts and you're nauseous and you're having a heart attack. Like that's not kind, it's nice, it's not kind. It's also malpractice, by the way. Like it's, <laughs> it's not okay. And what I would just argue is that for Christians, sometimes in an effort to be nice, we sacrifice kindness and it's spiritual malpractice. We want people to like us in the moment, so we're as polite as we can be, but, but kindness is called for. And I would just honestly tell you, I've not always gotten this right. In fact, I've often got it wrong. A clear example that comes to my mind, it's 23 years ago, there was a couple that was um, at the church, I was a pastor at, at the time, living together and they wanted to be married. And what I, I should have done and what I would do now is I'd, I'd sit down with them and I'd, I'd say, hey, I'm so glad that you've come ask me to be a part of your wedding. I hope you know like that what we want for you is God's very best. Like we are so for you. We are so for you. And I, I wanna talk to you about something that is gonna be uncomfortable for you, but it's also uncomfortable to me. Like I'd rather not say these things. I'd rather just not do it. But, but because God loves you and because we love you, just wanna have a conversation with you about what God's plan is for marriage. And I wanna to talk to you just for a few minutes about like the sacredness of sexual intimacy and, and the kind of closeness God wants you to have in your marriage and, and, and what it looks like if you, if you can start off with his path. And I'm gonna ask you to do something that's gonna be like, you're, you're gonna be offended. I'm gonna ask you to, I'm gonna ask you to not live together until you get married as a way to align. And I know it's gonna be inconvenient and I, I, I would have, should have had that conversation. What I said when they asked me was, um, I'm busy that day. I can't do it. Because I wanted to be nice. And I knew that I couldn't be nice. And I don't know who married them, but they got married. And then a number of years later, got divorced. He had an affair. And that's not, be I'm certainly not saying this because they were living together. And it's, it's not because I didn't have these conversations. I'm not saying that. But maybe... Like maybe if I would have been more concerned about kindness instead of niceness, maybe if I would have followed the example of Linda early that morning, prayed through my day, asked God to show me opportunities where I can be kind even when it's hard, maybe that would have gone differently. Maybe it would have put them on a different path. And, and then um, another example that comes to mind, I, I preached on uh, giving many years ago, and I gave a pretty soft, kind of no pressure message. I want to be as nice as possible. Didn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. And I got an email that week from a guy in the church that I have a ton of respect for, and here's what he said to me. He said, thank you for your sermon on generosity, but I feel like you were trying to be too nice, and it will cause people to miss out on the privilege of being a part of what God is doing and blessing, and the blessing that comes when we are obedient and giving. He wrote, we did not tithe until I was 33 years old and we were miserable as a family. God was looking for our trust and obedience and for years and we tried to ease into tithing. It was much more difficult to manage our way into obedience than trusting God's plan. It was awful. 
And once we were obedient in this area, peace and healing happened in our home. I pray, he wrote, the next time you preach on this, you would truly challenge people to follow Jesus completely from a stewardship perspective. Otherwise, it will allow so many families to suffer in this continued bondage the way we did for so many years. That was a kind email. He's saying to me, please, don't sacrifice kindness on the altar of niceness. That's spiritual malpractice. And so over the years, I've learned to collect stories and letters that do the opposite, that you know, tell the story of someone who comes to church or they interact with a, a, a fellow believer and at the time it's not nice, but then over time they recognize it was kind. 2007, I meet with a woman between services. She has her four-year-old daughter with her. The four-year-old sits at a table coloring her papers. Well, I talk to her mom at the table next to her. And mom pulls out this uh, picture, picture of her in the hospital right after she had given birth to her daughter who's now four. And she tells me her story, that she grew up in this church. And she went away to college, and when she was in college, she, she got pregnant, unplanned pregnancy. And she decided when she found out that really the only option was to not tell anybody ever and to get an abortion. That weekend, she came back home and she sat with her family in church and God in his kindness just so happened to have it be on a weekend where I was talking from Psalm 139. You're knit together in your mother's womb and you're fearfully, wonderfully made. And at the time, you know, for these 4D ultrasound machines, this was 2003-ish, we're just starting to come on the scene, become a little bit more available. And so I showed this picture from a 4D ultrasound machine similar to this one and just talked about just talked about how God has made us this way and and in in that conversation I or in that sermon I said there may be a woman here and you just found out you were pregnant and abortion seems like the only option but it's not we're here for you so is God and God wants your baby to be a blessing and her tears were filled with eyes. It was not what she wanted to hear in the moment. It didn't seem very nice in the moment. But all these years later, I just wanted to say to our church family, thank you for the kindness. And this is how we lean into it, right? That when the world becomes dark, there's part of us that wants to get upset and angry and worked up. I don't wanna be nice. I don't wanna be kind either. And I, I just think that for many of us, the way we meet those opportunities is with this niceness. Like we, we hope that if we're just nice enough, people will like us. Or we get angry and upset. And we get frustrated and we don't have peace and we don't have patience and we don't have joy and we don't have self-control. But the fruit of the spirit is kindness and goodness. Uh, this isn't part of the sermon point, but before we move on, I just want say in this sermon. There may be a woman here and you just found out you were pregnant and abortion seems like your only option. It's not. We love you. We're here from you. We're here for you. God wants your baby to be a blessing. He's kind. He's good. One of my favorite things as a pastor is to see this played out 
in the lives of people that we get to be a part of it. And I, I just want to give you a few challenges to help us fulfill verse 25 as we live by the spirit. Let us keep in step with the spirit. First in the morning, ask God to show you your day. You do what Linda does. You get on your knees. I hope it's not a 2.30, but if it's a 2.30, then do it. And just say, God, show me my day. And you think through where you're going and who you're talking to and what errands you're running, what meetings you're in. God, give me the desire and give me the opportunity to be kind and be good today. Number two, understand that how you spend your time and money is a test of your kindness and goodness. Don't say to yourself, I'm so kind and good if how you spend your time and money doesn't reflect that. It is evidence. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, the, it's evidence, it's the expression of this fruit lived out in our lives. Number three, don't confuse being nice with being kind. Follow the example of Jesus. Love people enough to be kind, even if it doesn't always feel nice in the moment, but you be patient and you be gentle. And you be self-controlled and you be joyful. Number four, remember God's kindness to you. Remember God's kindness to you. How can we receive God's kindness and then not have it to give? The more we live in it, the more we have it. The more it's in us, the more it'll come through us. Um, next year, I'm gonna tell you this now because I wanna hold myself to it, but next year, 2024, we're gonna take the entire year to preach through the book of Romans. And I've been studying Romans quite a lot lately. There's just some beautiful passages. Here's the one I came across this week, Romans chapter two, verse four. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Do you see it? He's so kind. He's so patient. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it's his kindness that is intended to turn you away from your sins? His kindness. Don't, don't mistake his kindness for indifference. It's not God saying, well, yeah, I don't care. You do what you do. That's not that big of a deal to me. Don't mistake his kindness for indifference. His kindness leads us to repentance. Sometimes God's kindness and goodness is seen in how he connects the dots to bring people to him at just the right time. I think that's true for some of you right now. I really do. Like this is it. This is the moment that his kindness and goodness is coming together in your life. I love seeing that. I love watching those moments take place. I, we're gonna see quite a few baptisms here in a few minutes, but there's one baptism that we need to take just a moment for as a church. We wanna celebrate it and it just needs a little extra attention because of some of the logistics. And, and, and so you're gonna get to see here in just a second, Louisa May be baptized. Louisa May is blind and she is mute. Can't see, can't speak, but she can hear. A number of weekends ago, some of you will remember, um, students, high school students were baptized by the dozens and there was all kinds of celebration taking place. And Louisa May, this young lady sat and she listened. She heard what was happening. And God just began, the Holy Spirit just began to stir some things in her heart about making this decision in her life. So take a look at this video. We're gonna celebrate her baptism and church family. Just remember that this sweet girl can't see you. She can't speak to you, but she can hear you. Take a look at this video. So Louisa May ended up in our life. Um, we adopted her from China 
We knew that she was blind and uh, pursued to adopt her. My grandfather had been blind. He had been an orphan. We actually came to Southeast one weekend and I saw her getting all excited about the baptisms. And um, we went back home and I'm like, okay, let's get in the water. And she started jumping up and down and she would let the water come up to here and she would put her head kind of in it. And I said, are you getting ready to get baptized? And she was just like elated. She was like, so much joy came over her. And you know that she understands and that she is ready to be baptized and accept the Lord as her savior. And so I taught her about Jesus and her sin. And we talked about that and her purpose. I want her to hear people and rejoicing for her because for her, she can't see people showing excitement. And I envision her standing beside or in front of her Lord and Savior, opening her eyes for the very first time and Jesus will be who she sees. All right. take communion in these next few minutes and we we just want to celebrate this we just want to celebrate God's kindness and mercy and goodness and love to us expressed through Jesus and the hope that we have in him so as we take communion just reflect on that in your own life that the greatest expression of God's kindness and goodness to you is at the cross when he gave his son Jesus and and then we're going to worship and we're going to have some baptisms we're going to continue just to celebrate God's kindness demonstrated through his grace and mercy if you wanna to talk to anyone about that decision in your life, like if you've been putting it off, I can't imagine kind of what your excuse would be right now, but I would love to encourage you to take that step and we'd be honored to talk to you more about that. Let me pray over us and then we will take communion and worship. God, we thank you for your grace. You're so kind, so kind. And, um, God, I pray that your kindness would lead us to repentance and I pray that your kindness would lead us to kindness, that we would just be people who are marked by that kind of kindness and goodness because of what you've done for us and because of the difference you make in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, as we worship, we want to thank you for your goodness to us. We wanna celebrate your kindness to us. May it be real to us in deep ways that we, um, that we haven't seen for a while or maybe we've become a little too accustomed to. Would you soften our hearts? Would you just fill our, our hearts with just the reality of your kindness and goodness to us through Jesus? It's in his name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one at a time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.